0: Well, hello everyone, Reverend Jordan Schrader here, and welcome back finally to Handy Schlepp. I apologize so dearly for such a long delay. I had a lot in my life going on uh, for the past several months, Uh, just some changes, and I was in the hospital a month ago for inflammation in my colon, and other things. So I was dealing with that for 10 days plus. And just uh, around trying to uh, just get back in the swing of things, life can be very challenging and uh, difficult. And life is very messy. And so with all of us being children of God and uh, brothers and sisters in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we all know that we can't do life on our own. We need the supernatural strength of Christ and a loving community of each other. I hope you all had a very happy Thanksgiving. And as we approach even closer to the Christmas season, I want to now just come into continuing this series on God's timing I almost forgot it's been so long and uh back in September believe it or not uh, back in September we uh, started off this series on God's timing as we go through the three chapters of the book Habakkuk and so we're just gonna jump right into it now uh but first a quick little recap on how this series began and how it will continue today so we have the prophet habakkuk in the old testament uh a few if not a few several years just prior to the babylonian exile of god's people uh the israelites and so we have Habakkuk talking about all the sin going on in among his people, among God's people, and wondering, he's questioning God, actually, why is all of this happening? So what makes Habakkuk different from other prophets is that he's not just speaking to God's people as God's microphone. Rather, he's speaking to God as the people's microphone. And they're questioning all these things. Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing the nations to come against us? And why is your law being ignored? Where is the justice for the wicked that surrounds the righteous? Why do you allow justice to go forth perverted, as it is? We hear this with this long complaint that Habakkuk is giving to God, and then God responds by saying to look around, look around at the other nations. Behold, I am bringing up these other nations to come against my people. Okay, so first off, that's not something comfortable to hear, that God is using other sinful nations to, you could say, punish and bring justice to the great sin of God's own people. You know, that almost seems backwards, ludicrous, I might say. But then we kind of look at it more and... Understand more of what God is saying and what God is doing. And because of the great sin of God's people, we could see this as, um, I was talking to someone recently and they described it as the pride cycle of God's help. God helps his people. God's people gets too comfortable and prideful and they want to fall back into their own means of doing things their own way. Rinse, ladder, repeat. We see that all throughout the Old Testament. And then God sometimes has to put the disobedience of his own people in their place. And so we get this warning that not only is God going to use other nations to bring justice, to God's own people to kind of put them in their place. But there comes time a time as well when the disobedience of God's people has God saying, okay, you know what? You need to get out. And so later on, years later, we come to the Babylonian exile. And now we come into chapter two that despite the complaints from Habakkuk and speaking on behalf of God's people. Despite the frustrations and the complaints, we come now into chapter two, which is today's episode, that Habakkuk says right in the opening verse of chapter two, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. In other words, despite the frustrations and complaints, he will still listen to what God answers and what God has to say. And now we will continue with reading the remaining verse, uh, 20 or 19 verses of chapter two. So if you can read with me the book of Habakkuk, chapter two. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, the place of the dead. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations. And collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them because you have plundered many nations and all the remnant of the people shall plunder you for the blood of a man of man and violence to the earth to cities and all who dwell in them woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm you have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples You have forfeited your life, for the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood, and founds a city on iniquity. Behold it is not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire, and the nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation. When he makes speechless idols, woe to him who says to wooden thing, Awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Amen. So what we read here is God's response. We read here these visions of what is to come over not only God's people, but over the enemies of God. We see visions of even though Babylon, um, one one of God's people's greatest enemies, is gonna come and bring God's people into captivity, Eventually, the righteous will prevail over this, because the righteous shall live by his faith. This vision of Babylon falling, God tells, is telling Habakkuk, the prophet, to write this down and make it known to my people. That even though the consequences of your disobedience and your injustice and idolatry, and that Babylon is on the horizon, allowing evil to bring about good, those same people will still fall to justify the judgment. And what's going on here is that evil is already defeated, even though they do not yet know it. Even though evil, which appears to be victorious over good, and that evil seems to be victorious over God's people, evil will already be defeated. Why is this? Well, it's because regardless of your circumstances, Feeling defeated, feeling like God is not listening in the moment. Evil is already defeated, and most importantly, God is still on the throne. We see the multiple woes in this passage. Woe to this, woe to that. What God is saying here in these woes is that woe to the prideful, Woe to the plunderers, woe to slavery and slave owners, woe to those in abuse of power or abusing power and woe to idolatry. In other words, the people that God is using to put God's people in their place, they will also be punished for these nations are far greater in their wickedness. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, whoever God may use according to his purposes to bring about humility from God's people. Woe to those who feed off of their own pride, the other nations, that is. Woe to those who steal from the innocent. Woe to those who take innocent and God's people into slavery. Woe to those who are in power and abuse it. And a woe to especially those who worship false gods of idolatry. Whether it's gods made of metal, gods made of wood, wooden statues, whatever it may be. Woe to them, for their time is coming under God's wrath. And then we parallel this, or we could parallel this, with the Beatitudes in the book of Matthew, as Jesus preaches his Sermon on the Mount later in the New Testament. Why is there a parallel here between the woes to the enemies of God and justice and mercy in the Beatitudes with God's people through Jesus Christ? Well, it's saying that all justice will be served, that God sees all. that blessed are those who are meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed in all are god's people through the suffering through the injustice even through disobedience when you come back in repentance which the enemies of god did not do blessed are those who will Because as we also read in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, your sin will find you out. That doesn't just mean that your sin can be made public, that's one way to look at it, or that our secrets and our deepest desires will be revealed through the power of God or through natural consequence, but Our sin, whether through God's people or the enemy, sin in us will be made known to us. We will be made known that we are sinning against God. And we look at all this, the injustice being made by God's people, also being punished By the greater sin of God's enemies to bring about the humility and repentance for God's people. All of this is because God is never finished moving, never finished with his people, never finished forming God's people, bringing them to repentance, bringing them grace, bringing them joy that is only found in God and Christ Jesus himself. We see this much later on at the end of the Bible in the book of John's Revelation. John, sorry, Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God verse 4 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away so we see here in God's timing is that nothing can take away God's grace over you unless you choose so, unless you choose to reject the Holy Spirit. You may be going through a season of disobedience, even though you're a believer, even though you're a Christian, and you love God with all your heart, we're still people in every single one of us, pastors, priests, teachers, all the way down to a new believer, everyone in between will fall short to the glory of God, which is why we need Jesus and his humility every single day. Even if you're among God's chosen people, like we read here in the book of Habakkuk from the Old Testament, we will still fall short. We will still become prideful. As we read in Isaiah chapter 42, verse nine, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things. I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Psalm 97, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his foes and adversaries all around. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles, and the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all people will see his glory. Amen to that passage as well. Is that God knows your situation? He already knows your frustrations, He already knows the hell you're going through in your life. Even though we may complain, he already knows our hearts before we even speak. But despite all that, despite what feels like the enemy coming against us, God is still on the throne. He is still in control of your life. And he is never finished with you. But will you, will all of us choose to repent of our disobedience? God may understand where you're coming from but that doesn't mean we get a free pass that doesn't mean we get to slide that goes for me too and everything going on in my life I could easily make up excuses to choose the things that I choose and as uh, the Apostle Paul would talk about being the chief of sinners choosing Not what I want to do, but doing it anyway. Sometimes we do feel like God's grace isn't enough, but no matter what, in the moment, things are hard, but God is always on the throne and we can trust Him and come to Him no matter what. What is in store for the final chapter that Habakkuk brings in chapter 3? God tells him that faithfulness and obedience and repentance is what prevails the enemy and what prevails the evil surrounding you externally and the evil of our inner turmoil that we suffer through on a daily basis. God is still working in us. Even though the enemies are all around us and inside us, God is still in control. Never give up. Never lose sight of him. Keep listening. For God is trying to give you his word. Keep reading his word in the first place to know what voice is speaking to you. Is it the voice of God? Or is it the voice of the enemy using our mind to trap us and trick us into hearing false voices or trusting ourselves instead of trusting God. That is this ultimate message of Habakkuk chapter two, that God already has a plan for us, that there is always victory in God outside of the temporal, small victories of the enemy. And, last but not least, nothing in our disobedience can eternally separate us from God unless we choose to never repent, to choose to reject the Holy Spirit. God's arms are waiting for you wide open. Turn away from your disobedience. God knows your struggle as to why. You will, you would choose disobedience and to choose your own idolatry and your own way, but he is still, despite the choices, he is still waiting for you to come to him. Come to him with his arms wide open. Repent today. Fall into obedience and let God continue working on restoring and preparing you in your life. Glorify Him today. I pray this right now over all who need to hear this, that God's timing doesn't always seem fair, and it's very frustrating, and a lot of us are going to fall short by choosing disobedience, and we will need to pay those earthly consequences despite even still being forgiven God knows and God will still walk with you through your reforming and rebuilding process the enemy is not victorious over you everything seems that way now in the moment but remember God sees the whole picture You are already victorious by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you, shed for all of us. You are forgiven. You are loved. And God is walking with you, if not carrying you, on the sand of the beach of the chaotic ocean that's right up against you. Thank you so much for listening to episode 53 of Handy Schlapped. I'm your host, Reverend Jordan Schrader. Please follow me on Instagram at CrazyJ on Wheels or on Facebook at Jordan Schrader, and T-S-N-Tiger, E-R. And we can continue the conversation from there. Until next week, take care, have a blessed weekend, and as always, stay classy.